she needs prayer, that we just need to intercede that God would touch her. Of course, when she goes to the doctor, they want to provide, they want to prescribe her narcotics, and she has been a um, a drug user in the past, and she has she has stood to say, I do not want the narcotics, because she knows that, and she knows God is able, and she knows also that that is a it fishing. It's fishing. And allure, and so we need to pray because that's a. I mean, as we would all understand that pain is one thing, and then there's the there's the pain of pain, and then there's the pain of addiction. It is, and it and one it doesn't fix. Y'all know, so many of you know what that is, and so you don't. We can all um, agree with her today in prayer. Anybody else have anything as we open? And we're gonna we'll gather around her this morning and pray. Your faith does not fail. That's a good prayer to pray. He who is able to keep you. He's able to keep you from faltering. He's able. Do you believe he's able? Do you believe he's able? I know. Do you believe he's able? Okay, then that's all there is. It's finished. God said it. I believe it. It's finished. You can stay there. <laughs> I mean, that's... Uh-huh. And we're going to have prayer for him in the sanctuary this morning. Yeah. Yes. 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 He's a loner as well. I understand that. My son was the same way. Yeah. And God is able to keep him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And just keep, I would just say, keep the lines of communication open. And I know you do. But you know, you know where he's going. Yeah. You know where he's going and you know what's there. Okay. Anybody else have anything? Pray for the kids. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. Let's pray. Brenda, stroke. Okay, anybody else? Good. That's good. <coughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Good deal. Okay, anybody else? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this day. I pray, Father, that every need that was mentioned that you would move and minister. Right now we pray for Renee. Y'all lay your hand on her right there. I pray, Father, that you would touch Renee's back. Lord, every bit of setback that she's had with regard to pain, I ask that you would heal her in the name of Jesus. You said where any two agree is touching any one thing, it shall be done. Lord God, we have faith in your word and we have faith in your redemptive 
process, Lord God, that you said by your stripes she is healed, Lord God. And we speak to this pain in the name of Jesus to be gone. We ask, Lord God, that you would restore her, Lord God, to her vitality, that you would remove all pain and give her peace in her body, Lord God, because her word of testimony will not stop to go forward, Lord God, as she does a great work for you, Lord God. She doesn't have time for this pain, Lord God. And when she is tested, she will come forth pure as though tried by the fire, Lord. I pray, Father, for the kids that are going back to school, Lord, that you would give them all courage to stand in a dark world, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help this one who had a back injury, this son. I pray that you would touch his body and this friend who's had a stroke, Lord. I ask that you would minister your grace and healing to them. Lord, I ask that you would open our ears to hear, our heart to receive, God. Anoint me to speak, God, only your words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. We're going to go probably mostly to Matthew 25 today. Still, of course, studying Revelation, but there's lots of places in the Bible other than Revelation to study Revelation. So um, as we look at this, I'm I'm probably going to unpack it a little differently than maybe you've ever heard it unpacked before. As I know that, and I'm not saying that I am 100% right all the time, amazingly enough. I, I will not say that again. <laughs> it's recorded. I will have Liz edit it out. It'll be fine. I know, I know, I know. But I do, I do appreciate this class, and I do appreciate y'all, you hearing and you listening and, and, and taking in different ideas. And that we all know that as we grow in maturity in knowing the Bible, that we, we grow with maturity looking at different interpretive methods because if we just get stuck in our old interpretive ways and we don't even consider what anybody else has ever thought or saw then you know are we really are we really studying scripture or are we just memorizing cultic creeds (laughs) you know what I mean and so we have to be sure that we are as the Bible calls the Bereans they heard the word from the apostles and they went back and they studied to see if it was true That's how we're supposed to be. Not just you tell me what to believe and I'll believe it. You know, next thing you know, you'll be drinking Kool-Aid. You know, we're not going to go that route, are we? Y'all are not Kool-Aid drinkers. We are all thinkers. And so that's what we're going to do today. So I appreciate your input. I appreciate you. Your perspectives are valuable to me. Um, Today, as we get started, I was driving to church this morning in a rage because I was late because I put eyebrow stuff on my eyelashes and Lainey deformed me of it after she brought me a whole bunch of makeup to try I pulled out I pulled out this one it was like oh cool this is a cute little mascara and I'm in there putting it on I'm like I cannot get this stuff to work at all and she went that's for your eyebrows (laughs) so it you know it it there's that it sort of threw me off a little bit yeah so you know, that, it doesn't work. Some of you men are like, I don't even know what she's talking about. But the women are like, yeah, that's a, that's a big fail. You know? <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe you, good. Just don't brush your teeth with preparation H, right? I, mean, I haven't done that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but she works at a dentist's office, so calls are coming, you know. Hey, I just did something. Want to know if I need to come in? <laughs> That's right. So I want to read to you real quickly John 9 and 4. 
it says this, as long as it is day, Jesus speaking, we must do the works, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. That's Jesus talking. And you know, as you read that, what night was Jesus talking about, do y'all think? His night, what was his night? How many of y'all believe that he's talking there? He's not talking about some eschatological night, some end time night. He's talking about his night. So he's talking about a night, right, that's coming. So he's like, I'm here. He's, his ministry was three and a half years, right? Now, he was, that was when he was 30. He started ministry. And when he's talking to his disciples there, he says, I must work the works of my father because the night is coming when no man can work. So he's going to work up to this place called night. And then he's going to, and then he's going, and then, and then after that, what's going to come? The day, what, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So when we look at biblical language there, and we're, we're starting to discover something, we have to know how to interpret the biblical language. So if, he, if Jesus is talking about his night, he's talking about his crucifixion, right? And so what do you do at night? Sleep. So have, how many of you have noticed the Bible uses sleep as a euphemism for death? And while they were sleeping, and while they were sleeping, she's not a dead, she's asleep. And those who, are, those who are sleeping will not precede those who are alive. So, see, we have to put on our biblical ears and tune them to biblical language. And so when do people sleep according to the Bible? Now, you're like, well, we all sleep at night, unless you work a night shift. That's when people sleep is at night, right? Well, so it's using the fact that you and me, we all sleep at night, and it's reworking that euphemistically, softly, telling something, you know, because who likes to talk about death? So we euphemize things, right? They're resting. That's what a euphemism is. It's a softening of something that, you know, that we don't, it sounds harsh to say it. So it's euphemizing that and saying they're, they're resting or they're sleeping. So we, in the same way that we sleep at night and we rise in day, we sleep at night and we rise in day, we sleep at night and we rise in day. You'll all have that process down, don't you? That's the same thing. The biblical language then is taking something that you're very familiar with, sleeping at night and rising in day, and it's reworking it around an eternal concept of sleeping death at night while you're dead, while you can't work. How many of you can win souls when you're dead? How many of you can do righteous deeds and proclaim the good works of God when you're dead? How many of you can go and you'll be the witness that you've always wanted to be one second after you die? 
it's too late, right? We, no one has a problem with that. So when Jesus is saying we have to, I have to work before the night comes. I have to work while it's day. So he's saying, I've got to work. Is that hard for anybody? You can only do the works of God while it is day, while you're alive. It's not too hard, is it? And so we're going to look at that a little bit closer, and I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit, and it might shed some light even on Revelation as a whole as we look at the fact that we're getting to the place where the crescendo of all Revelation, and that is the sounding, and I'll just go ahead and read it just so you can get excited about it. The sounding, I tried to sell my table yesterday. She was carrying it off. I was like, yeah, I'll get me a new one. Go ahead. Yeah, take that. She changed her mind at the door. I was too eager. Yes. Yep. When I die, you, you're right. You know what? And that is true. That, that is true that I could, I, could, I could have, and many people, Andrew Murray, for, one, for instance. Andrew Murray, he, I read his writings. Mike reads his writings, his favorite author. He has been dead for years and years and years and years and years, a hundred years almost. But he's speaking posthumously from the grave. Now, see, we have that voice, but what I would say is this. Your accounts are settled. But, okay, in the same way you said that, here's a scary sidebar, the converse. Where I might be able to reach and teach people posthumously after the grave. Because, or, but not just that. After I'm gone, after I'm gone, I'm going to still be teaching whatever has been learned and carried on in the lives of my children and my grandchildren and all the people that we have ministered to. That's exciting. But those who, who are of darkness, they're still teaching. They're still teaching. When a person who's lived their life in darkness and they've done the works of darkness, of night, the works of death, while they were alive, they did the works of death. Even when they die the ultimate death, they're still teaching because their legacy lives on. Mike and I went to... A man in the church asked us to do a funeral. This is not even a secret, y'all. I mean, he asked us to do a funeral, right? And we show up. We didn't know the man. Never met him. And so the man in the church, you know, Mike owes him several favors. So he called in a favor on you, didn't he? He's like, okay, Lester, I'll do it. Yeah, now I've let the cat, you know. He said, he said, I'll do it. So we get out there, and there's no one there at the funeral. No one. It's a graveside. We pull up, and we're like, our first thought is, have we... Do, are we, wrong day. Well, Lester's there. It's just us and Lester. You know, we're like, okay. <clears throat> Mike gets out of the car, right? And you're like, he's like, Lester's great. I mean, if y'all don't know Lester Hancock, you need to get to know him. He's funny, too. He gets, he walks up to me and said, Lester, what's, what's going on? Is this just us? He said, yeah. <laughs> Man's a piece of crap. <laughs> That's, Yeah. I was trying to tone it down a little bit. The sorriest piece of crap I'd ever met. And Mike went, what? Why 
didn't you tell me that before? He said, I was afraid you wouldn't do the funeral. <laughs> I like the honesty. You know what I mean? And we, we just the truth. And it was just a few people. And then Mike at the end, I mean, it's just, it was like, I mean, if me and Mike hadn't shown up and Lester, there was like three other people there besides us. I mean, this is a true story. And you know, I have a picture of him with his wife, and we're just looking, and there's no tears shed. I mean, there's no tears. And Mike's like, he said, does anybody have anything and want to say? You know, it's their family. He went, one daughter went, she went, he was a handsome man. <laughs> Searching. I mean, I appreciate the positivity. But see, that's so what, so he's gone. So see, this is the reality. This is the reality of our life. If we live a life of death, we continue to work death and hand death. We either live a life for someone to celebrate or we live a life for someone to have to get over. See, that's the choice you're making right now. And so that leads me to another scripture. Work the works while it is today. Today. Because they who get drunk get drunk at. But those who get drunk, now let, wait the night. We just already re we recycling this word night. So those that get drunk get drunk when? Come on, do the work, do the work. Those who get drunk get drunk at. When are you? When are you? When? Thank you. When you're living in death. Good job, Cindy. You caught it. See where? See, look at her. She's. That's right. <laughs> see, that's the. See, that's the analogy that's being set up by the Word of God. The works you do when you do works of death, you do them at night. And at night is when people sleep, a.k.a. dead. So people who are living at night, are li they're dead men walking. You're just dead men. See, Jesus said in the day that Jesus, God said in the day you eat the fruit, you will surely sleep. You're going to sleep. Well, they were all, but they ate the fruit and he didn't die. Ah, so there's a death and there's a death. So if there's a death and there's a death, then there's a life and there's a life. So see, but see, we, we got we to gotta use it that way. We got to dial in to hear the scripture that way. So whatever you're doing, you have to ask yourself the question, am I doing the things of darkness? Am I doing the things of Is my action life action? Because you're just practicing for your final performance. This is it, y'all. 
I don't want to guilt you into getting saved. I shouldn't have to. I should be able to scare the hell out of you. I should be able to. If I can, if I can adequately divide the Word of God, I should be able to open your eyes in such a way that to live a life other than life is absurd or preposterous. When we were in Corpus Christi, every year we go to Corpus Christi um, in September to do a conference, a camp meeting. And we were there, and it was my preaching time, and we always stayed downtown. The, the church puts us up downtown right on the seawall. I don't know if any of you have been to Corpus Christi. Not a nice place. I mean, it's just gross. Corpus Crusty, right? And so we're there. I'm sorry if y'all are from there. I know you don't live there now. So we were there, and you, you can't, you walk the seawall, and it's just filled with homeless people. Like they sleep all along the seawall. I mean, it's sad, but it's, it's because it's warm there. It's a, it has a large homeless community, and it's also close to the border, so you get a lot of people trafficking over from the border. Who have, so it just becomes this hub for chronic homelessness. And I was talking about, so I'm talking about it would become absurd or preposterous for me, for me to look at you and you to tell me, yeah, I'm alive. I'm alive in Christ. And for you to do the works of darkness, I'm like, you're a liar. You're lying to yourself because here's the same thing. Because if, it would be the same thing as this. Now, I'm married to a wonderful man. I've been married to him for 34 years. 34 years. I met him when I was 15 on a blind date. He was the first guy I ever dated. I mean, I've been with him that long. To this point now in my life, if he didn't like something about me, I always tell him, it's, you did it. <laughs> I did switch rugs, by the way. <laughs> That's a, yeah, we have this rug debacle going on. He's like, she's going to take the better one. And I did this morning because it matches my room better than his. So anyway, and I saw, he's like, you can't do that. I said, yeah, I can. You've raised me to be this way. So anyway, you know, so I'm, I'm happily married. Happily married, have been so for 34 years. It's just the truth. Some people think, oh, you're bragging. I am bragging. I should brag. I'm just that easy to be married to. <laughs> Y'all are like, it's all him. We know it's him. He's a saint, right? Anyway, so it would be, I mean, I mean, so here's my point. Absurd. It's absurd for a person who's awake, alive, to do what people do who are dead, Right? It's absurd. If you do that, you don't have a revelation of what life is. If you had the revelation of life, you would never do what's dead. But what all you've got is religious performance about what life should do, but you haven't actually experienced the life that would come naturally if you had the life. You don't have to teach babies to breathe. See, I don't have to teach you to like the food you're supposed to like when you come alive. I don't have to teach you to like the air you're supposed to like when you come alive. I don't have to teach you to like the things you should like. But if you still like the things of darkness, it's because you're not alive. Right? So it would be, it is that black and white. And so here, here's the thing. And I'm telling you, I'm helping you out because I don't want you to chronically march along in a death walk trying to make it a life walk when it's a death walk all along. And you're living in the night, and you're pretending it's the day, but everybody around you who's living in the day knows it's night. 
Because it's like, come to the light. And you're trying to pretend and put on a performance of light. It's not light. Because sin, the things that you did at night are ridiculous. When you come in the day. Okay, for instance, what if while I was walking, I told, I told the, the church there this, so I'll tell y'all. I'm walking along the seawall. All these homeless men. You know, they're just laying out there. They don't smell good. They don't look good. I'm not being rude. It's just a fact, right? I mean, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, I'm not saying for what reason or what happened in their life. I'm not making anything. I'm just saying the reality of that. What would it be like if I went out there and I was like shopping for a husband going, see your teeth now how many of you (laughs) how many of you think that would be what and how many of you think that would be utterly I'm trying to find a replacement for my husband how many you think I'd be utterly ridiculous to do that how many you think I was tempted to do it raise your hand well he's like Brian (laughs) y'all don't See, nobody other than Brian, and he's just warped, nobody (laughs) thinks that I was even tempted to do that, right? Because why would I? It's absurd. It's preposterous. The same is true for people of the day, of the light, who are awake, for you to go after the things of darkness to connect yourself to death when you're alive. It is, it's, it's, it's as reprehensible. And I, I was not tempted in the least to hook up in any way of the word. I used to mean something different. To with a homeless man on the seawall at Corpus Christi, Texas. Though there were plenty to choose from. And I bet you I could have... I could have had anyone I wanted. <laughs> See? I could have just said that. Come on with me, big boy. I hope it is. I go, going, hey, sugar. Mm. <laughs> or as Nora told me yesterday, this is what guys say. How you doing, babe? <laughs> so, see, now, I, I'm, I want y'all to get this. So for you and you and you to connect with darkened works. You're like, I don't connect to darkness. And so, see, this is that's a dead work. So here we have, see, that's what I'm talking about. It's the problem is not sin and darkness. The problem is your revelation of the light. Is that you still just haven't walked into the full light of day. Because when you do, it's the same. I want y'all to think of it that way. What if it, when the things that tempt you, I don't know what it might be. I don't know what you struggle with. I can name a few and probably hit. A lot of people in here. Right? But what if 
those became as ridiculous and reprehensible to you as me finding my new husband on the Corpus Christi seawall. How many of you think I'm probably going to do that? <laughs> it's not even it's not even a temptation. You see what I mean by that? See, that that's what I'm saying. I mean, I want you to understand that you're of the day. And that you do the works of day. So when you do the works of day, you live, you live. So if there is a death 2.0, there is a life 2.0. And so whenever the same temptations that come to you, the reason they come to you, let me tell you why you're tempted to go back after you've come to the knowledge of Christ. Why you're tempted to go back and do the things you used to do whenever you were asleep dead in the dark. Because you don't know what you like. You like what you know. You don't know what you like. You like what you know. And that, if you're not willing to trust, have a faith walk with Christ to try something an obedience journey that you've never tried before. If you're not willing to take obedience and move it into an arena where you've never been before and stop always holding your salvation up to God as something he's, you know, like a carrot on a stick for him. God, if you don't save me, if you don't rescue me this one time, God, I'm, I'm out of here. You know it, me. I mean it this time, God. I mean it this time. He might just go, see ya. See, that, see what I mean by that? So many times that we think that's our, when he's given us absolute life. Your, your little silly, and I say silly not to, not to, I say silly because of how silly it is compared to God. Your little silly temptation that keeps wrecking your life. If, it, if you brought it into the light, and saw it for what it was, a homeless man sleeping on a seawall that you want to kiss on the mouth. <laughs> she, she's going to have to leave. <laughs> right? What if you saw that thing as that? You would have awake to righteousness. Awake. What do you Awake. Come out of your sleep. Awake. Come to life. Come to life. You won't struggle with addiction. You won't. Do you see what I'm saying? Does this make sense to you? Like the like coming to life and living that version of life. See, I'm not trying to get you to do 10 steps and come out of your darkness. Now, there may be some legitimacy in that. Yes. Mm-hmm.
God, give us a revelation of light. Make darkness, what? Make darkness completely gone by the revelation of light that is in us. So when we, now you're wondering, you're wondering how are we, how are we going to get to, let me make sure, how, I want, let me read this real quick. Jesus tells us to not take thought for what? Don't take tomorrow, but only take thought for what? Today and tomorrow, right? So we've got, we understand those concepts of today and tomorrow. We're fixing to turn them into light and darkness. Okay, today is what? It's the only thing you have, isn't it? So what is tomorrow? Why is it darkness? Because you can't, ah, y'all are so smart. Y'all are so smart. So when he says take no thought for tomorrow, He's saying don't go into places of darkness because you don't have any power there. It's, it, there's no light. But, so if you live your life only in today, see, most people fall into sin because of tomorrow. They're going to get right tomorrow. They, they live in, they live in d- the dim light of the past. Because how many know the past is dimly lit? I mean, you, you've seen it. We all say hindsight is twenty twenty, but it's really not. It's really not because you're a revisionist. You are a brilliant revisionist. What do I mean by that? The, the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, and they were slaves making bricks for Pharaoh without straw. Right? And they cried. The Bible says they cried out for a deliverer because of their cruel bondage. God, deliver us. This is horrendous. And it got worse before it got better. Because God's grace was to make it worse before it got better. Because he knows what a terrible revisionist you are. Because when he gets you out into another place, away from there, and you don't have some little something you need today, you will do a whole rewrite on where you've been. We had leaks there. It wasn't so bad there. It was not that bad. It was really kind of good. We ate meat and we had leeks and garlic and it was wonderful. What about the slavery? What about the bricks without straw? Let's get a group together and go back to that wonderful place of Egypt. You bunch of revisionists, you. We d- we don't know what we like. We do like what we know. Even if what we know was hell on earth and utter total bondage and darkness, as long as we've tasted it before, we want to taste it again. But we revise because the past is also shady. You put something in the past and a person looks back. I've seen women before get out of seven relationships in the past and get in the one that they're in and look back to one at the past that they hated back then. But when they got to the future, they revised the story that they had from the past. And then they want to go back and find that person in the past. It happens all the time. You are a revisionist. 
You will rewrite your story to fit your narrative today because tomorrow is dark. And you, as you, today is the only thing you have in your hand. Right here. The light. The day, today is the only light you have. So you do the works of today. Most people get a revisionist history coupled with a darkened tomorrow and a squandering of today, and they marry their revision to their darkened tomorrow. They measure the shadow of their revision to their darkened tomorrow, and they come out with a darkness that's worse than the darkness that they ever had before. And it's like, how do these people keep repeating, rewind, play, Rewind, lose a little more. Rewind, play, lose a little more. Rewind, play, lose a little more. Rewind, play, lose a little more. Rewind, play. Some of you are already at play. What does that mean? The batteries about to sleep. Y'all get what I'm, are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I know I'm using a lot of metaphorical language because I think y'all are advanced. (laughs) Y'all are going to remember, so quit the rewind play. Today, if you, you know where you can only operate faith? Today. You can, Today is right, right right here. So the moment that you have the temptation to do, to take from your shady past and marry it from your, to your darkened tomorrow, it's going to come before the day's out for y'all. Some of you, it's going to be right here, right now. And God's going to go, he's like, I want to bless you so much. I want to bless you so much because I own the cattle on a thousand hills, the hills under the cattle. I own the sparrows that I keep count of. I know every hair on your head. I supply Solomon in all of his glory was never supplied as good as the very grass of the field. And you are much more valuable than those. But I'm sorry, darling. I can't do anything with you until you do something to please me. And he hands you faith for right the moment. What are you going to do? You're going to look at that and go, that shadowy tomorrow yesterday was good. I was thin. I had a six-pack abs back then. No, that was, that was a revision. <laughs> That's a big revision. Uh-huh. Okay, and then you're looking at tomorrow that's dark. But see, the Lord just wants you to make a faith decision in this very moment called today. And if you'll learn to do that in the moment you need to, instead of looking to the past and looking to the future, and looking to the past and looking to the future, if you'll just work the works of today while you're alive and the light's shining and do a faith act right then, and you add up enough of those, you add up enough faith acts in today. You will change the course 
of generations. And the very tale that they tell when you, when the rewind play <laughs> stops. And the doctor can't get another, ooh, it's gone. The tale they tell will not be any other tale but the moments of today that you took faith. And you say, I'll do it by the word. And you did those enough that you establish a whole new muscle. You get this faith muscle working. So then, the next time it's not as hard as it was the last time. And then it wasn't hard at all. And pretty soon you're not a whiny little baby anymore. <laughs> and pretty soon I'm not having to build you up every time a, a crisis hits. And pretty soon I can pop the passy out of your mouth. And you'll start sleeping all night dry. <laughs> yes. You got something, Andrea? That's right. <laughs> what? Sleeping all night dry, though. <laughs> and you've had to find that, right? See? Right now, just today. All I need is today. Give us Today. How? So, see, I'm not trying to tell you that you have to have the answers for the journey of a million miles. You know, all you've got to have is enough light of God. Do you believe him or not, y'all? Yes. To make a faith choice in this moment. That's all you got to do. Stop rewriting the past. It's not what you're telling. It's not true. If you're honest, it's not true. That wasn't the best relationship you ever had. You're rewriting it based on where you are today. And tomorrow's dark. I know I'm talking to people this morning. You only have today. And so here we go. Now, I told you I was going to give you, see, I, when I'm going to say stuff controversial, y'all notice what I do? I'd save it till the very end and just blow it in there and go. Matthew 25. Y'all didn't even know I was going to get there, did y'all? Okay. I didn't know. Y'all got more confidence in me than I do. You do. Come on. Okay. So Matthew, I'm going to go 24, 45 because these go together. I'm going to read fast. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom the master puts in charge of his house and his household to give him food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whose master finds him so doing when he comes. Amen, I tell you this. His master will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if the wicked man says in his heart, my master is taking a long time, and he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards, because those who get drunk get drunk at, it's a death activity. The master of the servant will come on a day on a day when he does not expect and an hour that he does not know if you haven't if you can't operate in the faith for this hour in today you're not going to be ready because you're not ready right now that's just a fact so and he will cut him in two and assign him his place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth what does that sound like fun right then then so then so what is that then then, we're coming in that time, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no, no oil. They took no oil in them. But the wise ones took oil in jars along with their lamps. They had oil in their lamps and oil in their jars. Now, while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they all got drowsy and started falling asleep. What did they start doing? They started dying. It took a long time. What's going to happen to you if the Lord tarries? Just asking. You're going to fall asleep. You're going to fall asleep. Okay. But in the middle of the night... Wait. In the middle of the night... Don't change the analogies now. In the middle of the night... Whose night? No? The ten virgins' night. What are they doing? They're dead. These people are dead. Real death. Some died with oil in their lamps and oil on their person. Others died with no oil. They had lamps. They had places for oil. They had the operation to work oil. They died with no oil in their lamps, and they didn't have any oil with them. Yeah, y'all are getting it. And so, so when, when the call came out at midnight during their midnight, he said, get up, the bridegroom comes. And some of them, the five wise got up. One's with the Spirit of God. See, this is, a, this is a portrait of the resurrection. It's not about people making heaven or hell. It's not about people who are... I, I know, see, and, and I know there's some stories in here because I heard it, and it sort of troubled me just a tiny bit, and I'm going to tell you why. Because there was a, there was a version of this, of this parable in here that that's, it's dangerous. And it is that they were all virgins, and that only half of them, they were all saved. Therefore, they were all saved but only half were saved enough to go to heaven at the time of the rapture. If that's true, if that's the version you believe, then we've got a huge problem. Here's the huge problem. Jesus did not save them. You can't halfway save someone, and Jesus is not ultimately who saved them. It was the rapture that saved them. See what I'm saying? And then they were all saved, but then they... It doesn't work. See, hermeneutically, the, it, it, it messes up when you put it, when you take soteriology or the doctrine of salvation, which is a huge, a huge deal with the Word of God. And you put it up there and you start taking soteriology and you start eroding the sacrifice of Christ to fit a belief in the end times that you have, you will get yourself in a ditch with your belief. I mean, this right here is talking about at the resur- We're at the end of the age here. This is talking about the resurrection of those who are asleep. No. I don't. I don't see it that way because every time I go through that channel, I always come around to a works gospel saving them. Finishing a salvation. And so here's, that's the problem. So I have to look at that and go, that doesn't work. So I'm looking at it wrong. And so I come to the place where I'm like, okay, so they're all asleep. And we know that sleep is a euphemism for death. And we understand that this is the end of the age. And we understand that five of them died, slept without 
oil in their lamps. Five of them didn't get saved in their... Why five and five? Because what is, what is five and five of ten? There you go. It's a 50%, right? It's a choice. It speaks of choice. You have a choice. And they were all virgins, I think, gets us a little bit messed up too. The word should be maids. They were all qualified to do the assignment. They were all qualified to do the assignment of lighting the way of, to the wedding. Lighting the way to the wedding. What is the wedding? When Christ marries his church, we are, I am a maid today. And all I am doing is lighting the way to the wedding. And I will do it until, until I will do this assignment with oil in my lamps. I will take extra with me. I have got oil inside and I will keep my, my, my torch going and I will light the way and I will come to you and say, there's a wedding coming, are you going to be ready? There's a wedding coming. Are you going to be ready? That's all I'm doing. I'm a virgin now and I'm lighting the way. I will do this until the Lord comes or until y'all all pass by a casket and I sleep. But even if I sleep, know this. I've got enough oil in my lamp and on my side that you won't see it, but when the trumpet sounds that oil is going to get me up and I'm going to go whoa I can trim my lamp again I'm going to come alive the others the point of the parable is this once you die there's no second chances you can knock 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 on the door of heaven You either have faith today while you have light. In your, in your darkness, not yours, but a per, let's say a person who hasn't come to Christ yet. In your darkness, death. You either receive the light, take the oil, and join the mission of lighting the way to the marriage, or you don't. You die with oil in your lamp or you don't. It's as simple as that. This is not a trick. It's reiterating the gospel over again using a parable to tell the story. Now some of you, I want you to read it. You go into the next one, another one. I won't have time to read it. It's the parable of the talents. Talents is a terrible word for us because of what it conjures in our mind, right? So if we, I want you to read it and just take out the word. You won't hurt the word. You know it's talent, but take out the word talent and put in opportunity. Just put in the word opportunity. What is the opportunity? What is your first opportunity today? The first opportunity you have to take before you can take another one. You have to be saved. That's the first opportunity. You have to come out of the darkness into the light. That's the first opportunity you can, a person can ever have is the opportunity to receive salvation. And once you've received that opportunity, 
then you can take that opportunity and you can invest it in the kingdom and you can bring more opportunities by virtue of the first opportunity, right? How many of you, after you got saved, got more opportunities because of salvation? You wouldn't have had them had you not got saved. It was the primary opportunity. The parable of the talents, the parable of the opportunities. We see ones who had different ones. The man who received the one opportunity, the one, the primary opportunity, he heard the preacher say over and over, because who can get saved? Everybody's got the opportunity presented to them. But a lot of people will take the opportunity of salvation and they'll go, My life's not so bad, revisionist. Tomorrow I'll do that, liar. And they're going to go through their life, and they're going to do all of this, and then they're going to come the, there's going to come the day where their battery's going to run out, and they're going to go, what? See, I brought back the opportunity. You did it. You never received it. You didn't receive the... See, y'all made it about talents. Do you think he needs your stuff? He's got my stuff. I'm just kidding. (laughs) He doesn't need... Just a joke. little levity. He doesn't need our stuff, does he? No. All he wants is for you in the light of today... What are you going to do in the temptation right now? Are you going to go to the shadow of yesterday and rewrite it? Are you going to put it off till the dark and tomorrow? Because you don't know when your battery is going to run out. So I hope today I have just given y'all a new perspective on the resurrection and on your, the value of your life today. In the light today. You don't have tomorrow. And your yesterday is a, is a manufactured revisionist lie. Most likely. Let's go. Amen.